Welcome back to the sports session. This is the Rider Sports Podcast brought to you by The Rider News. And today we start off with some breaking news. We are recording this on October 31st. And say around an hour ago, Dylan, you reported that the Rider women's basketball team received a positive COVID-19 test and is now in an enforced quarantine. Tell yeah, me about the, that. Yeah, the women's basketball team recorded its first um, positive coronavirus case obviously hope everybody's okay it's unclear at this time if uh the individual is symptomatic or asymptomatic i assume the team is quarantining in conover hall which is riders designated building for quarantine the team actually was quarantining earlier in the preseason period a few weeks ago after they received an indeterminate test so it's not their first time uh on on in on-campus quarantine However, they were released after three or four days after the indeterminate test. And the individual uh, recorded two subsequent negative tests, which allowed them to be released. However, now this time they have a positive test. It is a confirmed positive test. Um, so they will be back in Conover Hall quarantining for 14 days. And that's going to be a strict 14 days. They're not getting out anytime soon after that. The, I think the first the day, and I want to get this right, so I'm looking at my calendar right now. They would be out of quarantine on November 14th. They're for the season, the regular season is going to start on November 25th. So that would be one week and so seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven days after they exit from their mandatory 14-day quarantine. Not too much time to get ready for a season, if you ask me. No, I don't think that's remotely enough time, especially since we've already mentioned they were quarantined a little bit earlier, so they lost a day or two of practice there. And now you're losing a whole two weeks into your lead-up of a season. That is a lot of time to lose, especially in a season as weird as the one we are seeing right now. You're seeing left and right. I mean, like you look at college football, Clemson has their star quarterback down, and that's just one player. And you look there, you see the effect it has. Now imagine a whole team. This is something that's happening across the landscape of sports, and it's just happened to find its way to Lawrenceville. But Dylan, I believe you also said Coach Milligan and uh, the coaching staff is in quarantine as well. Isn't that correct? Yes, they are in quarantine, and – uh, they are quarantining in their respective households, I assume. Um, don't know much more than that exactly, but they are quarantining too. There's not going to be practice for a long period of time. It's unclear at this time if they're going to be able to work out in their door, in their quarantine housing or what they're going to be doing. Um, it will be interesting, though, to look into that and see how they're maintaining shape because two weeks of no practice definitely will hurt you in your preparation for a season. And I guess they're going to just have to find some way to work out in, um, in their quarantine state. What, and however that may be. No, that's exactly like it. That's like the big mystery. Like get, there's a difference between practice shape and game shape. And you spend months getting into game shape. That's the whole point of like a summer trainings. And then you have your fall. And then again, riders already had a decent amount of these taken away. And now you're already taking a step back. You're already taking a step back from where you are, and now you're not at that point you once were. So now I sit here from an analytical perspective and how Coach Milligan addresses this. I'm sure she'll do it just fine. She's one of the best coaches the MAC has to offer, men's, women's, regardless. She's one of the best there is. So when I sit there, you got to go, 
okay, maybe it's film study sessions, you know, you have to keep an eye because again, these are college kids. We're in fragile times, how we've all felt the effects of it, the mental fragility, the kind of up and down states of moods. Now as an athlete with the pressure of games, the pressure of scholarships, now with a quarantine and now you're working from behind, it's a, and sports are just as much mental as it is physical. And along with the physical pressures of being a D1 athlete come along the mental part of it. And now that's something that's really being affected. And that's one thing that you're going to have to look out for, especially in the early parts of this season. God bless everybody's mental health, man. Really. I, I commend everybody who is taking a, a big step to address it, myself included, throughout all of this. My mental health has certainly not been where I, where I would like it to be, but I'm taking the right steps. And, you know, some days are better than others, but if the good outnumber the bad, then I think you're in a good situation. However, as a student athlete, I cannot even imagine um, the added pressure that that takes on you and the toll that takes on you. And now being, you know, in quarantine, like – yeah, it's it's got to be incredibly scary for them. I wish them nothing but the best, obviously, and I think that you know, and I hope I'm hoping that everybody's okay. However, it shows that testing works. You know, these student athletes on the men's and women's basketball teams are tested at once a week now in the preseason period for this exact purpose. During the regular season, they're going to be traveling. They're going to be tested three days, three days a week. You know, it's no secret that we're you know, it, let me backtrack a little bit and say this. You know, we're not even in the regular season yet. We've seen some hiccups. One person tests positive. You're gonna, this already means a canceled game in, during the regular season. This one, you know, test cancels a game. Maybe two if you have two in a week. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why the MAC has that, has that week has that, you know, third week in Feb- third or fourth week in February planned in as that blackout week, I suspect that's going to be filling up pretty fast. Yeah, no, that really is, especially with, again, we've seen New Jersey's cases rise. I think we just hit over 2,000 for the first time since May. We've just seen those cases rise, and we hope with semesters coming to an end, maybe they start to go down. But nonetheless – it's a real issue that the issues are that the cases are starting to rise, and now we're already seeing it affect Ryder. Now imagine come holiday time when people are traveling everywhere. A lot of the ins and outs of what you're going to have to see are we're already seeing a preview of them in Lawrenceville. We're already seeing a preview of them across the country, and it re- really is a guessing game of if it gets better or worse. But that's where you got to commend the MAC, in my opinion. I mean, the Big Ten, they had to cancel a game between Wisconsin and Nebraska, and they're catching a lot of flack because they didn't have that built-in period where they allowed extra time for makeups like the MAC did. So that's where you have to commend Commissioner Enser, commend the entire MAC, all the athletic directors, and really really give them their due credit for building in that extra period to help preserve sports as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, we've – you know, you and I have reported on it extensively. You know, just recently we – we spoke with athletic director Don Harnum about a meeting he had with, you know, some of the some of the leaders of um, all the all the athletic teams at Ryder, just imploring that message again and driving it home again, saying, "Hey, like they need, you know, they need the help of the athletes to enforce the rules, enforce the physical distancing, enforce the mask wearing, and everything else, not to be, you know, in and not to put themselves in situations that they're going to harm themselves. It's unfortunate to." see anybody um get this 
get this virus. It's unfortunate to see all the cancellations that have that are happening, that continue to happen, and that most likely will happen in the future. Hopefully, this doesn't affect the overall basketball season too much, although it looks like we are heading in that direction. So I hope this is just one isolated incident. I think Ryder has done an exceptional job at maintaining the virus. Obviously, it you know is relentless in its in its pursuit of anybody, but hopefully we can mitigate this and make this an isolated incident. Yeah, no, that's exactly what we're hoping for. We've already seen two instances and we don't know what we will see in the future, but to bring it onto a more positive note, sticking on women's basketball, Dylan, you had a story come out this week about uh, a new transfer student coming into Ryder, a new transfer to women's basketball team. I mean, she's affectionately called Souf. But Dylan, why don't you take it away? Yeah, I just want to clarify. Soup is a freshman. Um, she's, oh, my she's bad. from the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, good. She's from the Netherlands. She has a great backstory. Um, she was a part of the youth national team, the Dutch youth national team in the Netherlands. She played on the U16-17 uh, national team. She's a very talented player. She's the tallest player on the women's basketball team, standing at 6'4". And it's very interesting that she told me that – she never wanted to play basketball. There was a time where she never even wanted to play. And now she's on a Division One program. She's only been playing basketball for seven seasons. So something had to have gone right there. She's had so much support and love from her family. They're very, very close with each other. Her mom was so influential in her, in her life before her untimely passing due to ovarian cancer in January 2020. And that really took a toll on her, but she was the most influential person in her life. And it's going to be very, very fun to see Suf on the court playing basketball. I spoke with, you know, Coach Milligan and assistant coach Steve Harney, who actually traveled to the Netherlands to be in their household on uh, September 2019. And, you know, he said they didn't even really talk basketball that much. They were just trying to get to know the family. They were just trying to, you know, laugh, be personable. And that's what Suf really loved about Ryder, you know, and loved about the coaches, that they really did take an interest in her as a person and her family and her mother's story with the situation that was transpiring. And it was very, it's very cool to see that bond. And now she's here. Now she's, now she feels like she's at home. That's what I love about the coaches I've talked to at Ryder right there. I mean, whatever, Suf has a talent. We'll get to that in a minute. And she sounds like somebody who could, like, with her height, with her experience, maybe she'll come in and contribute as a freshman on a team that's kind of rebuilding. But the coaches here, like, we talked to Baggett. Like, when I talked to him about recruiting, it's about getting to know you as a person, being a father figure. And then you hear the stories, like you just said, about the women's basketball coaches, where they're just trying to get they, – they fly to the Netherlands – and it's not you as a basketball player. Well, I don't even know how long that flight is. I wouldn't want to sit on a flight that long. That sounds like too long. But yeah. that's probably like a 12-hour flight. That's a no for me. But uh-huh. they get there, They and it's not, hey, let me get to know her, the basketball player. It's let me get to know you, the person. Let me get to know your family. And even during these struggles of everything they were going through, knowing that you have a family at Ryder or you're going to come into a family, I mean, it's hard to find anything comforting. But if there is, that might be something comforting in a time like that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, January, you know, that's, that's really, I guess, before the onset of this entire pandemic uh, transpired, everything. But, you know, once they, once they were all over here, you know, 
you know, Suf told me that, you know, she's been hanging out with the four freshmen on the team. You know, one in particular, Molly Lynch, that she invited um, Suf and the other freshmen all over to her house uh, down the shore. And they just had a good time. You know, it's a way to escape Ryder. It's a way to escape all the daunting pressures of being a student athlete. And it's a way to just, you know, see family. And, um, you know, Suf is very close with her family. And I feel, and I really heard that and felt that with, you know, in our conversation. And, yeah, I'm really eager to see her play. I'm really eager to see, um, you know, what she's made of, the talent she has. You know, she's 6'4". Obviously, she's going to play the four, maybe a stretch four, um, probably a five. You know, she's the tallest on the team, you know, only leading Victoria Toomey by like two inches. Victoria Toomey standing 6'2", who is a sophomore. You know, I could see the two of them on the court together. You know, maybe have a little twin tower type of vibe. You know, throw them back to Bill Cartwright and uh, Patrick Ewing. And, yeah, or Kurt Thomas. Hello. Yeah, Kurt Thomas, uh, Patrick yeah, Ewing. Cartwright, Cartwright was on the Bulls, but I know I That's, knew you're going yeah. from there. <laughs> no, <laughs> knew, well, Cartwright played on the Knicks once. Cartwright played on the Knicks too, right? I don't remember him, but I can be wrong. I, be, I, do I believe he does. I believe he did. I honestly, off the top of my head, I don't know. I do know he won a few ships with the Bulls, though, so I give him credit for that. He could have. He could have. Maybe he was a part of the uh, open yeah, deal. I, Who I knows? Be, I, believe he, I believe he played on the Knicks. Um, not, uh, yeah, no, he did. We could – we could fact check that later, but <laughs> no, but again, again, kind of kicking back to the story we did before, before we wrap this up, we talk about, so if you talk about four other freshmen, we've talked in the past about the five, six seniors, I believe it was graduated off of the Mac winning team championship winning team, six seniors. Yeah. Those type of role players are going to have a huge impact. Like you have a six foot four center. You're expecting her to come in and probably be able to rebound, do some stuff offensively, even if she can stretch out and hit it from the three. And we know Victoria Toomey can, that's going to be somebody who's going to step into a bigger role. How mm. do you think having a 14 day quarantine kind of affects that process of really being able to step into those type of leadership roles and bigger roles that younger players are going to need to step into? It definitely stunts, it definitely stunts the adjustments. You know, they, you know, they were just be, they were just getting eight. They were just able to practice as an entire group on October, I believe 16th. It was on October 14th was the NCAA um, date of like the first allowed practice. That's, that's what started the preseason period. You know, they, they were tested that day and, and they didn't practice until the 16th. So you know, they're already having some lost periods. Then you factor in the indeterminate test that kept them out a couple of days. Then you have this, which is going to knock out two weeks. On top of, you didn't even have the summer. You know, you weren't even practicing in the summer. And before the October 14th, you were only practicing within like groups of what? Three? Two? Yes. Sometimes one. Sometimes it was just you for a half hour. So it's stunt. It's, it really throws a wrench into their planning. And with the season, you know, they're only going to have 11 days left. And who knows if they're going to prepare? Who knows if they're going to even play on November 25th? That's what Lynn Milligan has indicated to me. That's what some of the players have indicated to me. But who knows if that's even, if that's even going to hold true now. They, I mean, they're con they haven't even released 
publicly the non-conference schedule yet. And, you know, for this young of a team, I do believe that they're resilient. I know that they're going to be, you know, they're going to get back on the court and train as if, you know, the two weeks, they never lost the two weeks. They're going to just hit the ground running. That's just the type of team they are. But yeah, this stunts them, whether you like it or not. This stunts them hard. And we might see the effects of it very, very early it, in the couple non-conference games that they're going to play. Now, you know, some of the teams might, some of the teams might be in bigger conferences. You know, the Power Five, one of the Power Five conferences, you know, like the Big East. And, you know, they're going to – every conference has different rules. In my opinion, I think they, they could have gotten away with just doing a full 20-game 20, 20 max slate. I think all conferences should have done that. Screw, screw the non-conference play. It's not really going to help you with anything. It's just five, four or five throw-in games saying, here, let's play. Just have the conference games. That's a bigger indicator. Everybody says it's the second. Everybody says it's the second season anyway. Let's just have one full season of that. You're I gonna mean, have enough. You're gonna have enough time for the NCAA tournament. You're gonna have enough time for the MAC tournament on in March. I think you're. Good, I think you would be personally fine without the non-conference games, especially in a year like this. I'm gonna be honest. I get what you're saying, but I disagree with you just because of how the NCAA is structured. It's not like oh, it's overall standings. Overall standings within your conference. And now, Ryder, if they were to just do non-conference or no non-conference, let's just say you started conference play November 25th. Now they're starting behind in conference play. Now you have more time to regain yourself. You get to get a feel for your team because what you know about your team game one to game five is drastically different. So I think, I think especially in basketball, like every other sport, non-conference play is crucial, especially when you're in the Mac, like you get to go up against these bigger teams and really see, okay, come tournament time, who can match up with the best of the best, who are going to be my mismatches. Like we can't sit here and be like, okay, last year, Ryder women's basketball, they didn't see Stella Johnson put up 28 and leading us over Penn state and be like, okay, come the Mac tournament. That girl is going to be leading us. Like, yeah, we already knew it, but it was a precursor to what we eventually saw in Mac play. So I get what you're saying, especially in a year like this. Yes, but if you keep your teams local to like where you're playing, NJITs, Fairleigh Dickinson's, Penn State's teams that aren't really too far to where you can hopefully mitigate exposure, there is a lot of value in non-conference because, again, non-conference is like – non-conference is the effect of preseason. And we've already seen what the NFL has had without preseason, more injuries – sloppier play you need the non-conference to get ready for the basketball that actually matters and then again teams are sloppier game one to game five so like Ryder who's rebuilding again some of these recruits look pretty talented like a like a Souf uh, or I forget how to pronounce her full last name but some of these recruits look really talented but they're going to need some time to get acclimated you know the team you're going to get game one is not the team you're going to get game five certainly not the team you're going to get game 20 as you enter into the MAG tournament so you need those extra three, four, five games, whether they're throwing games that have no value, it's the effect of preseason because in the end, it gets you to that point. It's a stepping stone to the point that you need to get to, to be that team that raises the MAC championship trophy or whatever conference you are in. Right, right. However many games they play will be an indicator of how their, of how their you know, loss of time has affected them. Yes. And I do anticipate there being more injuries for that exact reason. Like you said, we've already seen it in the NFL. We've already, we've seen it in college football. Numerous teams are having, 
are having injury lists longer than CVS receipts. And, you know, you and I both know those are pretty damn long. You can make a freaking scarf out of them. But I don't know you're buying from CVS, but I guess. Bro, you can the – C, the receipts from CVS are a mile long. Are Just, they really? They are, they are sta- – that's standard, bro. That is hey, man, standard. I don't pay attention to my CVS receipts that, like you do. <laughs> You can't miss it if it's just coming out of the machine that's and a good it's point. not that's stopping. On that, that, that's on me. But, that's a good point. That's on me. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm not. I would not be surprised if you know a lot of teams in the MAC, you know, see some unfortunate injuries, uh, or teams in general just see some unfortunate injuries due to the lack of, you know, practice, lack of play. And lack of strength and conditioning, like this, the two weeks they're losing, yeah, that's gonna hurt. That's definitely gonna hurt them. No, that is, and that should do it for today's episode of the sports section. Tune back in for two weeks when we have another one, and that one will be right on the precipice of basketball season. So be prepared for some pretty great and in-depth content. Once again, I'm Sean Tronobroff here with Dylan Manfrey, and you tuned in for another episode of the Sports Section.